Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Pope Benedict XVI School of Prayer podcast. And this is Father Jim Chern. Thank you for, for joining us each week as we're delving into the catechesis offered by the late Holy Father back in 2011 in his Wednesday audiences with the faithful when he was laying out the foundational principles of the life of prayer. All 47 of these addresses are available in a single volume that's published by Ignatius Press entitled A School of Prayer, The Saints Show Us How to Pray. Or if you want to follow along with the text um, on, online, there's a link in the show notes and on our Facebook group, which goes to the Vatican website, which has all the official texts of Pope Benedict XVI. So thank you again for all of your interests, uh, your comments, your feedback, uh, for sharing this podcast, and joining us as we, as we continue to reflect on, on the Holy Father's teaching and the clarity and the beauty of these, these catechesis on prayer. So today we're on session number seven, uh, which is entitled Psalms, Prayer of the People of God. And this was first given on June 22nd in 2011. Pope Benedict writes, Dear brothers and sisters, In recent catechesis, we've reflected on some of the Old Testament figures who are particularly significant for our reflection on prayer. I've talked about Abraham, who interceded for foreign cities, about Jacob, who in his nocturnal struggle received the blessing, about Moses, who invoked forgiveness for his people, and about Elijah, who prayed for the conversion of Israel. With today's catechesis, I would like to begin a new stretch of the journey instead of commenting on specific episodes of people praying, we shall enter the book of prayer par excellence, the book of Psalms. In the forthcoming catechesis, we shall read and meditate on several of the most beautiful Psalms that are dearest to the church's tradition of prayer. Today, I would like to introduce them by talking about the book of Psalms as a whole. The Psalter is presented as a formulary of prayers, a collection of 150 Psalms, which the biblical tradition offers the people of believers so that they might become their and our prayer, our way of speaking and of relating to God. This book expresses the entire human experience with its multiple facets and the whole range of emotions that accompany human existence. And the Psalms are expressed in an interwoven joy and suffering, the longing for God and the perception of our own unworthiness, happiness in the feeling of abandonment, trusting God and sorrowful loneliness, fullness of life, and fear of death. The whole reality of the believer converges in these prayers. The people of Israel first and then the church adopted them as a privileged meditation in relations with the one God and an appropriate response to God's self-revelation in history. Since the Psalms are prayers, they are expressions of the heart and of faith with which everyone can identify and in which that experience of special closeness to God, to which every human being is called, is communicated. Moreover, the whole complexity of human life is distilled in the complexity of the different 
literary forms of the various psalms. Hymns, laments, individual entreaties, and collective supplications, hymns of thanksgiving, penitential psalms, sapiential psalms, and the other genres that are to be found in these poetic compositions. Despite this multiplicity of expressions, two great areas that sum up the prayer of the Psalter may be identified. Supplication connected to lamentation and praise. These are two related dimensions that are almost inseparable. Since supplication is motivated by the certainty that God will respond, thus opening a person to praise and thanksgiving, and praise and thanksgiving stem from the experience of salvation received. This implies the need for help, which the supplication expresses. In his supplication, the person praying bewails and describes his situation of anguish, danger, or despair. Or as in the penitential Psalms, he confesses his guilt, his sin, asking forgiveness. He discloses his needy state to the Lord, confident that he will be heard. And this involves the recognition of God as good, as desirous of goodness, and as one who loves the living, ready to help, to save, and to forgive. In this way, for example, the psalmist in Psalm 31 prays, In you, O Lord, do I seek refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Take me out of the net which is hidden from me, for you are my refuge. In the lamentation, therefore, something like praise, which is foretold in the hope of divine intervention, can already emerge, and it becomes explicit when divine salvation becomes a reality. Likewise, in the Psalms of thanksgiving and praise, recalling the gift received or contemplating the greatness of God's mercy we also recognize our smallness and the need to be saved, which is at the root of supplication. In this way, we confess to God our condition as creatures, inevitably marked by death, yet bearing a radical desire for life. The psalmist therefore exclaims in Psalm 86, I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. And the prayer of the Psalms, supplication and praise are interwoven in this manner and fused in a single hymn that celebrates the eternal grace of the Lord who stoops down to our frailty. It was precisely in order to permit the people of believers to join in this hymn that the Psalter was given to Israel and to the church. Indeed, the Psalms teach us how to pray. In them, the word of God becomes a word of prayer, and they are the words of the inspired psalmist, which also becomes the word of the person who prays the Psalms. This is the beauty and the special characteristic of this book of the Bible. The prayers it contains, unlike other prayers we find in sacred scriptures, are not inserted in a narrative plot that specifies their meaning and role. The Psalms are given to the believer exactly as the text of prayers whose sole purpose 
is to become the prayer of the person who assimilates them and addresses them to God. Since they are a word of God, anyone who prays the psalm speaks to God using the very words that God has given to us, addresses him with the words that he himself has given us. So it is that in praying the psalms we learn to pray, they are a school of prayer. Something similar happens when a child begins to speak. Namely, he learns how to express his own feelings, emotions, and needs with words that do not belong to him innately, but that he learns from his parents and from those who surround him. What the child wishes to express is his own experience, but his means of expression come from others. And little by little, he makes them his own. The words received from his parents become his words. And through these words, he also learns a way of thinking and feeling. He gains access to a whole world of concepts and in it develops and grows and relates to reality, to people, and to God. In the end, his parents' language has become his language. He speaks with words he has received from others, but which have now become his own. This is what happens with the prayer of the Psalms. They're given to us so that we may learn to address God, to communicate with him, to speak to him of ourselves with his words, to find a language for the encounter with God. And through these words, it will also be possible to know and to accept the criteria of his action to draw closer to the mystery of his thoughts and ways, so as to grow constantly in faith and in love. Just as our words are not only words but teach us a real and conceptual world, so too these prayers teach us the heart of God, for which reason not only can we speak to God, but we can learn who God is, and in learning how to speak to him, we learn to be a human being, to be ourselves. In this regard, the title which the Jewish tradition has given to the Psalter is significant. It is called Tehillim, a Hebrew, a Hebrew word which means praise, from the etymological root that we find in the expression Alleluia, that is literally praise be the Lord. This book of prayers, therefore, although it is so multiform and complex with its different literary genres and its structure alternating between praise and supplication, is ultimately a book of praise which teaches us to give thanks, to celebrate the greatness of God's gift, to recognize the beauty of his works, and to glorify his holy name. This is the most appropriate response to the Lord's self-manifestation and to the experience of his goodness. By teaching us to pray, the Psalms teach us that even in desolation, even in sorrow, God's presence endures. It is a source of wonder and of solace. We can weep, implore, intercede, and complain. But in the awareness that we are walking toward the light, where praise can be definitive, as Psalm 36 teaches us, with you is the fountain of life, and your light do we see light. 
However, in addition to this general title of the book, the Jewish tradition has given many Psalms specific names, attributing most of them to King David, a figure of outstanding human and theological depth. David was a complex figure who went through the most varied fundamental experiences of life. When he was young, he was a shepherd of his father's flock, then passing through checkered and at times dramatic vicissitude, he became king of Israel and pastor of the people of God. A man of peace, he fought many wars. Unflagging and tenacious in his quest for God, he betrayed God's love. And this is a characteristic. He always remained a seeker of God, even though he sinned frequently and seriously. As a humble penitent, he received the divine pardon accepted the divine punishment, and accepted a destiny marked by suffering. Thus, David, with all his weaknesses, was a king after the heart of God. That is, a passionate man of prayer, a man who knew what it meant to implore and to praise. The connection of the Psalms with this outstanding king of Israel is therefore important because he is a messianic figure an anointed one of the Lord, in whom in a certain way the mystery of Christ is foreshadowed. Equally important and meaningful are the manner and frequency with which the words of the Psalms are taken up in the New Testament, assuming and accentuating the prophetic value suggested by the connection of the Psalter with the messianic figure of David. And the Lord Jesus, who in his earthly life prayed with the Psalms, they were definitively fulfilled and revealed their fullest and most profound meaning. The prayers of the Psalter, with which we speak to God, speak to us of Him, speak to us of the Son, an image of the invisible God, which fully reveals to us the Father's face. Christians, therefore, in praying the Psalms, pray to the Father in Christ and with Christ, assuming those hymns in a new perspective, which has in the Paschal mystery the ultimate key to its interpretation. The horizon of the person praying thus opens to the unexpected realities. Every psalm acquires a new light in Christ, and the Psalter can shine out in its full, infinite richness. Dear brothers and sisters, let us therefore take this holy book in our hands, let us allow God to teach us to turn to Him. Let us make the Psalter a guide which helps and accompanies us daily on the path of prayer. And let us too ask, as did Jesus' disciples, Lord, teach us to pray, opening our hearts to receive the teacher's prayer in which all prayers are brought to completion. Thus made sons in the Son, we shall be able to speak to God, calling Him our Father.